But let's go before the Lord and ask Him to bless our time, huh? Father, we thank You so much for all that You're doing in our lives. I can't believe that you, You came in and that You changed me forever and You changed my destiny. You changed the way that I was going, my path. And there has been no greater adventure I have ever seen or tasted of. Nothing that has come close to having a relationship with You. I thank You for the wisdom and all the great things You've poured into my life and the great changes You've done in these people here. They were headed down the road of destruction to mess up their life and trash it. And hey, maybe even just live an okay life, but not the best. And Lord, we know that You made life. You made pleasure. You made fun. You made every good thing. Anything that is good is You. And so we know that Your way is the good way, is the best way, is the right way. And we desire to chase after it. Teach us tonight, Father. Please minister to Your people. Help us to see exactly what You desire. Us to see tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Alright. We are in Proverbs chapter 20 tonight, if you have your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 20. Yes, we are moving through the book of Proverbs. Man, I don't know if you're loving it, but I am feasting on it. Okay? Feasting. I'm having a meal every single time I sit down and eat this stuff. It is incredible. Incredible to see what is actually in each verse. I would encourage you as you read through the Proverbs, we're reading a chapter a day if you didn't know. We as this group, we try to read a chapter a day. And uh, if you haven't been reading a chapter a day, you can pick up today. You just read chapter 20 with us tonight. And then tomorrow you read chapter 21. And the next day, chapter 22. And just continue on. We read a chapter a day. It is a piece of cake, to be honest. If you want to just speed through it, you can. I mean, it'll only take you about five minutes, maybe seven at the most. Uh, for you fast readers, I'm sure you could blow through it in three. Okay, but if you want to break it down, you spend about 20 minutes, I do. And I just break down each verse, just looking at it, underlining, highlighting, doing all kinds of things, putting little notes in my Bible, writing things like, oh, snap, this is huge, this is amazing, wow, I can't believe this. Little notes, scripture references, just soaking up the great things that Father is showing in the text. And so, um, we're in Proverbs chapter 20 tonight, and before we start, I just want to say, since we're going through the Proverbs right now, if you want to become wise at a young age, you know the only... The only way, let's just say there was no wisdom on paper. You can't read wisdom. You can't obtain any wisdom. You know the only way you could get wisdom in life is to what? Just live and get old. And when you become old, you will be wise. Why? Because you know things, you've experienced things, you've messed up, and you have accomplished in many different ways. Like this. Uh, Building a house. Let's say you build a house. Um, now you have the wisdom to what? Build a house and you could help someone else do that. What if you went and uh, made a bad investment? You would know after you made a bad investment or a bad decision, like I have with my car, <laughs> um, that that is a bad thing to do. Okay, so now I have this vehicle and now I have wisdom to never do that again. Ever. Ever. Maybe you learned wisdom at a young age when, hey, you knocked over that lamp. And hey, Papa came with that belt and whipped you, lit you up. And you said, man, never knocking that lamp over again. No, you didn't just walk by and knock it over. You threw a ball at it purposely to knock it over. You know. You thought it was funny. Wisdom. Maybe you got into a relationship and did some things you wish you wouldn't have. It gave your heart away in ways you wish you wouldn't. And you what? Learned very quickly, huh? Never to do that again, to run from that, to stay far away. Hey, maybe you got drunk a couple times and recognized what a drag it was. Hey, fun at the beginning, yeah, but hey, I got in a couple fights and someone actually smashed the back of my window with a baseball bat. That wasn't too fun. Hey, I want to stay away from the party scene. Not as fun as MTV tells me it is. 
Wisdom. You can either learn by going through it, or you can read it on paper, absorb it, and add it to your account. It's up to you. There are many stubborn people in life who say, I'm not going to listen to anybody. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And hey, if i got to mess up to learn, then hey, i got to mess up. Okay, you are an idiot. Moron. Josh, don't make fun of them. Okay. This is not making fun of. This is a true statement. Idiotic. It is not logical, nor reasonable, nor anything under the sun could cause you to want to do something. It's like if you have touched fire, a baby learns very at a very young age that fire is hot and it's never going to touch it or come near it once it understands And now none of you for the rest of your life will ever jump into a fire. You won't do it. Who would like to burn to death as a way to die? It's wisdom. But this wisdom comes down to the smallest things in life, believe it or not. The smallest decisions. I've really recognized this even within my own finances. I'll be honest and open with you. For probably the last six years of my life, I have bought whatever I want. I work hard, get money, and buy whatever. Why not? I've not been wise with my money. Wise wisdom. I was not. I was never taught by anyone how to manage money. And I didn't recognize at a young age that hey, if I would have simply saved money. I would have ten times more the things I have now, right now in this moment, only if I would have understood back then. And I have friends who put me to shame. I won't mention his name, but there is a friend here who comes to Bible study as often as he can, who is 25, 24, 25 years old. He owns two condos in New York City. And if I said his name, you'd say, him? And I'd say, yes. Plenty of money in the bank. And those condos, he reaps $600 a month each on each one. That's 1200 bucks a month he has coming in the bank, just picking his nose, doing nothing. 1200 bucks. Wisdom. Because he was wise with his money. Because he saved and learned to invest and learned to do what is right. It's wisdom. Or you can just say, man, I'm just going to do it on my own. That's why I spend time with older men all the time. I will, If you see me at a table with older men, you know what I'm doing. I am picking their brains for everything I can get. I am snatching every ounce of wisdom I can pull from them. I ask them about their kids and their family and the mistakes that they made and the good things they did. I just pull it all in as much as I can because I am tired of making mistakes in my life. I don't have time to make any more mistakes. I've screwed up enough. And so what I'm telling you tonight is that Proverbs is about to speak to your life and about to tell you exactly what you should be doing. And you can put that in your bank account if you want or you can say, eh, I know what it says, but I'm going to do contrary and you will reap it. And you will be bummed and you will be miserable. And you will hit your head on the wall saying, why did I do this? Or you can listen to wisdom. You can listen to the Proverbs, to the Word of God, and see what you are to be doing. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Are you ready? 30 verses to cover. Get ready. The first proverb. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever deceived is deceived thereby is not wise. Oh, interesting. It brings up drinking. Listen to what the New Living Translation says. Wine produces mockers. Liquor leads to brawls. Ha <laughs> ha. Leads to brawls. It's true. Whoever is led astray by drink cannot be wise. And it's true. Now, Josh, are you saying you can't drink? Well, I remember John Corson when I was in the desert. We looked to him, us 22 guys, and he says, boys, guess what? It's okay to drink, but I'm not going to do it. He said, did you hear me, guys? 
The Bible does not say it is wrong to drink. It's wrong to get drunk. But I'm not going to drink at all. And he kept saying it over and over. I'm not going to drink at all. I'm not going to do it. You guys can drink if you want, but I'm not going to. If you want to go down that road, it's okay, but I'm not going to do it. And what he was doing with every single time he said those words was like hammering a nail into wood deeper and deeper and deeper into a heart's. Because we love this man and we look up to him and we want his lifestyle. We want what he has, the joy that beams from his heart, the, the blessings that his family has, has got. His relationship with his wife is amazing. Not one of his kids have ever rebelled against him. He's been blessed all the days of his life. And with every single statement, he was nailing into our hearts the fact that, yes, we can do it if we want. But he says, I'm never going to do it. And I know that you guys respect me. And I know that you want what I want. And so what I'm telling you is, please don't go down that road. And Mike Jonker told me one day, I've never seen alcohol do anything good for anyone. Ever. Yeah, but Josh, the Bible says wine brings joy to the heart. It's true. I've drank wine before. And the heart does become joyful. But it is a slippery slope to walk. And if you walk there... If you're convicted by it, then I'd say, be very careful. You'll get jacked up before you know it. And I'm just going to leave it at that, because I don't want to encourage anyone here to drink. It's between you and God. But it says wine produces mockers, and it's true. You ever seen a drunk guy drinking wine? Yeah, <laughs> wine bibber, drunkard, mocking and laughing. And liquor leads to fights. It's true. You want to mess up relationships? Get drunk. And you'll mess them all up. Look at verse 2. The fear of the king is as the roaring of a lion. Who provoke him to anger sinneth against his own soul. The fear of the king is like a roaring lion. It's true. Whoever provokes him to anger... Sins against his own soul. And I put the king next to there. You know, Solomon writing this is a king, and obviously he's thinking through the mind of a king, and it's like, hey, anyone who provokes me to anger is actually bringing torture upon themselves. And the same is true with God. If you provoke God to anger, you're in trouble. Remember what Jesus said about anyone who causes one of his little ones to stumble? What did he say? It would be better if he tied a millstone around his neck and threw himself into the ocean than to make one of my little ones stumble. There are seven things that God hates. Have you ever seen the wrath of God? Um, I see some things in the Old Testament. You want to know what the wrath of God looks like? Look at the cross. That is the wrath of God. That's a physical look upon it. You do not want to make Father angry. His anger is not like a father here on earth that gets angry, you know? You ever seen your dad get ticked at you? Can't believe you did that. Yeah, me and my dad had lots of talks about that just this last time at Christmas. And I thanked him. I thanked him for the discipline that he's given me. But man, he was ticked sometimes. The Bible says clearly if you were, uh, you should never spank a child in anger. You should never act out in anger. You're gonna, you're, you're in trouble. If you feel angry, don't open your mouth. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. Go cool off. Sit down. And then come back. And if you're angry, one day when you have kids with them, if they do something wrong and you get upset, you better step back, cool off, and then come back and discipline them correctly. You don't ever want to hit your child because you're angry. Even spanking them in the wrong manner, that's a terrible thing to do. Remember Corson taught us, he says, use a paddle to spank the child. Use your hand to love the child. You don't want their mind to think that the hand is scared. When you raise your hand to them, they pull back. You don't want to uh, make father angry. His anger is righteous. It's perfect. It's exacting. It's not a ticked off father. It's not that. Like here on earth. Something very exacting, like a judge who stands before a man who just murdered ten people. And he says, you'll go to prison. 
And it is righteous anger. It's perfect anger. There's a time to be angry, and Father is the one that can do that. Jesus did that in the temple, do you remember? Look at verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. It says it's an honor for a man to run from strife or to cease from it, to get away from strife, okay? You want to be honored? You want to be blessed in your own life? Run from strife. Run from drama. Run from all these things, okay? You, I'm telling you, you just want to be a happy person. Stay away from those things, and you will be. Get as far away from strife as you can. But the fool, that's the one who is meddling in all these different controversies and always up in the drum, always up in the mix, always up with the bad things. Run from it. Get far away. Look at verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. And I wrote next to that, wow. This is wisdom for you. Huh? How, Josh? Look. It says the sluggard, or what? The lazy person, the lazy man. The lazy person will not plow by reason of the cold. He'll say this. He'll go outside, let's say a farmer, getting ready to work on his farm. And he says, it's cold outside. I don't want to work. Oh, you don't want to work? You don't want to plow the field even though it's cold? No, I don't want to go out there because it's cold. I feel, I'm lazy, man. I, I, I'm a slug. I, I, don't, I can't push through things. Anything pushes me over. I'm a little sissy in the field that gets knocked over by the wind. No guts. Nothing to go and make something happen. He says, this person who will not break through hard times, this person who will not fight through the cold in order to accomplish his work, will what? Suffer when harvest time comes, and he will have nothing to show for himself. Let me explain that in modern times. It is the person... It is the person who sleeps till 12 o'clock and does nothing in his day and does it week after week and finds himself with nothing living off his parents for the rest of his life. He will have nothing. The Bible speaks directly against this. And we're going to see in just... I was reading it. Yes, I was reading today in some of the other Proverbs where God says, stay far away from sleep. Sleep is danger. Anyone who loves sleep, I think it's... Oh, gosh, I wish I could find it. It is a sweet verse. And it convicted me like crazy. It said, anyone who loves sleep is like in danger of this. And I'm like, oh, man, I love sleep. Gosh. Okay, I need to break that habit. I remember Corson telling us in the desert when I was there. And when I keep referring to that, that's a time when I was really being ministered to and, and, and really groomed for ministry. And this mentor, his name is John Corson, he was pointing, he said... He said, guys, just try to live off of five hours, six hours sleep a night. That's it. And work hard the rest of the day. He says, you'll be blessed. And I guarantee that my buddy, who has these condos in New York City, I'm sorry, not New York City, it's actually Niagara Falls, but he um, he was not sleeping late and late and late into the day to make something like this happen. He gets up early. And he works hard. And when harvest time comes, he has much. Everyone else will be reaping and you will be reaping nothing. I've seen many guys pass me up because I've been lazy and I can't stand it. This is a simple proverb, especially for you young people who are under 20. And if you're over 20 and you're in this state, you better get moving quick. Because it will sneak up on you. Poverty will sneak up on you and pounce you. And you'll be sitting there wondering why you're where you're at. You've got to get moving. You've got to work hard. The Proverbs is just telling us the truth, huh? It's wisdom for us, huh? You can't get mad at me. You have to get mad at God's Word. It says it. The sluggard will not plow because it's cold. Therefore he shall beg in the harvest and have nothing. He will beg and he will ask all the people around for something and he will have nothing. Verse 5, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man out of understanding will draw it out. It's saying the heart is very deep. Who can know it? How can he understand? But he says a man with understanding can pull out of the heart, can minister, 
can dig in, can understand the ways. You want to understand people? You want to be able to minister to their heart? Understand, have knowledge. Read the Word. Understand the Word of God. This is the manual to the heart of man. Right here. This is it. It's not a psychiatrist. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. It is the Word of God. Yeah, but they study people. God made people. Okay? He knows a lot more than anyone else. If you want to know people, study His Word. Verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Wow. This is huge. I want to read the New Living see what it says. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is really faithful? You notice that? Listen, people in life like to talk about themselves. They tell you all the great things that they have done. And so that you will think that they're a good person. Everyone speaks about the good things in their life. I hate when people almost ask me the things that I'm doing because I I know that I'm going to tell them all the great things so that they will look at me and think, wow, you're great. That's the reason why you tell them. It's very difficult to get away from that. And so you want to just like act like nothing's going on. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you doing? Nothing. You know, I just, just work and, you know, do my thing. It's difficult to find a man who is faithful. It's easy to find people who talk about themselves and make themselves look good, like a faithful person. But who can find a faithful man who will never let you down, who will always be on time, who will always be there for you, who will always keep up all of their commitments and promises? Who can find a faithful man? What a great question, huh? And a challenge for us. I know... Let me think. One... Two, three, four, five. I can think of five people that I consider absolutely faithful and flawless in my eyes that I've met in my life. I've met a lot of people. Where is there a faithful man to be found? A faithful woman to be found. Look at verse 7. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Did you hear that? You want your children to be blessed? Walk in integrity. What is integrity? It is doing the right thing when no one is looking. No one's looking. You do the right thing. It's walking down the street, seeing a piece of trash and picking it up and no one's around. You just do it. Because it's the right thing to do. That's integrity. That is a real person that loves God. And that's hard to find. That's integrity. So let's do let's do uh, an analysis right now on ourselves, huh? Let's look at who we are when no one's looking and see who we are. who are we. That is who you really are. Don't deceive yourself. Know who you really are. Be honest with yourself about who you really are and start making adjustments in order to become a man or a woman who chases after God. A man who walks in integrity, who does the right thing when no one's looking, his children are blessed. And you think about that. A child sees their parents for who they are, huh? You ever see that little baby, not baby, but maybe like five or six year old in the grocery store and you start talking to their their mother or their father and they're like listening in the, on the conversation, the baby, and the mom will say something and then all of a sudden the baby will say, nah, you don't do that. You do this. It's just like awkward moment, awkward moment. Because the baby tells the truth. It just rats him out. Now, remember when you yelled at Brian the other day? Remember when you yelled like really, really, really loud? And everyone in the store looked at you? <laughs> it's like, oh, man. It says, walk in integrity and your children will be blessed. Do you want your children to be blessed? Walk in integrity. Do the right thing when no one's looking and it will rub off into your kids. Isn't that awesome? What wisdom. Verse 8, A king that sit in the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. Self-explanatory. And verse 9, Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from sin? Who can say that? 
Is there anyone in this room that can say, I have made my heart clean and pure of sin, all sin? No, 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 no. No one. I'm a good person. Maybe you are. But you're definitely not righteous. You're not perfect. Yeah, no one is, Josh. I know, that's the point. Only perfect people get to heaven. And you cannot make yourself perfect. God makes you perfect, and that's why you get to get to heaven. That's why. Because of His Son's blood. That's the only way. Son's blood covers all of the sin in your life, and you get to go to heaven for free. Amazing. Who can make himself pure? Nobody. Look at verse 10. Diverse weights and diverse measures, both of them are like abomination to the Lord. Diverse weights and measures, double standards, double standards are abominations to God in your own lifestyle. I don't need to go into that. It's very self-explanatory. Verse 11, even a child is known by his doings, whether his works be pure, whether it be right. Did you hear that? There's great wisdom in this. Listen. A child is known by the things that he does, whether right or wrong. If a child is known, like let's think about it right now. Let's think about those little those kids that you know, maybe under 10 years old. Okay? They're either a little brat or they're like the sweetest child, you know? They're just a good kid. You know, you, you see you see both. They're mo- they're known by their good works, aren't they? They're known by their right things. How much more is a parent or an adult or a teenager known by the things? If a child is known, hello, you are known. You may be able to fool a child to make them think that you're a good person. I remember looking at my one of my uncles and thinking he was just the, the most awesome, coolest guy I've ever met in my life. But now that I'm older and I see exactly he, who he is for who he is, he can't fool me. And you can't fool me. No one can fool anyone. The true self will come out. You cannot hide from God. You cannot hide from anyone else. Be honest with yourself and desire to change. If a child is known for his doings, then you will be known for your doings. Look at verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. Why would he throw that in there? Because, hey, people can sculpt an ear and sculpt an eyeball, but who can make them see? Only God. Recognize how powerful our King is. Look at verse 13. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yes, I knew I was reading it earlier today. Get ready. Get ready to put it down. Just put a little star next to that. Circle it. Highlight. Blow on it. Wink at it. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. I love, I love the King James. I love it. It says what? Don't love sleep or you're going to be poor. And then what does it tell you to do? Open your eyes. It doesn't say wake up. It says open your eyes. And you know what? That's the challenge of sleep right there, isn't it? You're like sitting there, you're laying there in bed. All you got to do is open those eyeballs. Get them open, man. Get them open. Hey, I used to work construction. We had to wake up 4.30 in the morning. Whew. I'm telling you, sometimes 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30, because we had to drive two hours to get to a place to do work. Oh, misery, okay? And I would just have to do it. And it's just like I would have my clothes sitting next to my bed, just like laying there on the floor. And it's like all of a sudden my boss would roll up to come pick me up and he'd honk the horn. I'd just be like, Koof. I'd get up, I'd throw on my jeans, my shirt, and I would run out the door, literally. That would be it. That's it. I'm ready to go. And we, then we go and we get my boss. He brought the thickest coffee you could buy. He took coffee grounds, poured them into a pot, and just boiled it. Yeah, uh-huh. Boiled the, and then just poured it into a cup. <laughs> poured it into a cup. Oh, hilarious. And, and so when I would finish drinking it, there'd be coffee grounds, like, in my teeth, you know? It was nasty. But it woke me up. I was ready to go. Open those eyes. 
And it says the one who does open his eyes will what? Be satisfied with bread. And it's true. People who work hard are satisfied. God has made you. Men, listen up. One of the curses that was placed upon us back with Adam is the curse of work. But I don't know if you've ever worked hard in your life. Many of you are spoiled brats and your mommies have pampered you all your life. You don't know what it means to work hard. And many of you have worked very hard. You've had to work since you were like 15. You've just been working all the time. You're helping your parents. You're doing things. I know. I did the same. But to work really hard, I almost wish I could take every single guy out on a construction site and make him dig trenches with me for hours. I'm talking like eight hours of digging. You you can get the nicest gloves you want on there. You're digging trenches. You're going to have blisters like you can't imagine. And your back is going to be so broken after the day's over. And the sun beats down on you. You drink gallons of, literally, a gallon or two of water. I just have a gallon right there. With you just chugging it down. You, you, you want so badly just to get out of the sun because you work so hard. But at the end of the day, when you get home, you get home, you sit on that couch, you get on that, you kick back, and you appreciate everything that you have. All that you've worked hard for, every ounce of money w- is worth much to you. It is hard, hard, hard work. And it feels good. I love working on a project and finishing it. I love working with my hands and doing like construction stuff. When it's finished, I'm just like, yes! Because I put hours into that thing, blood, sweat, and tears, man. I hit my, my, my thumb like 20 times, you know, like I, I just satisfied. And God has called you to work, and that's why it says you will be satisfied if you keep those eyes open. You work hard, you will have much bread. I'm going to transfer that into today's lingo, and that bread is what? Moolah, the money. Where's the bread at? Where's the bread at? Let's move on. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer, when he is gone his way. Then he boasts. The hustler, that's who this is. He talks about the thing that he's buying like it's no big deal. You walk up there. We did it in New York City. Walk up and they want you to buy the watches, the Rolex, Folex. Mm-hmm. You walk up. He's just like, man, check this one out. This thing is sweet. And it's like, man, that thing is whack. No, it's so sweet. Come on, check it. No, it's whack. Man, that thing ain't even worth five bucks. And he's he's normally selling it for twenty. He's like, all right, I'll give it to you for ten. Thank you. <laughs> Bam, score ten bucks for a watch. Now, people, I have my Folex. It was ten bucks. It's ten bucks in New York City. Those of you who were there, you know. Anybody there with me? Derek was there. <laughs> it's good times on the street. But listen, but people will do that to you and rip you off. You need to be careful, okay? This is practical. Ladies, please, let me exhort you, okay? You guys are pushovers many times, okay? You just get worked at all places. Like a guy's, you know, trying to sell you something and you really just don't even want to talk to him anymore and you're like trying to get away and he's just like working you and working you and working you. All of a sudden it starts to sound like kind of a good deal and you're like, well, maybe I'm okay, okay. I'm going to pay $400 for a $50 cell phone. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. You know, and then you get worked. Gym memberships. I've heard some crazy stories. I mean, just like, <laughs> but listen, what they do is they talk bad about what they're, I'm sorry, they get you to talk bad about what they're selling or they start talking bad about a deal that you heard about and really uplift their own so that you'll end up buying it. And once they make the deal, they walk away saying, yeah, worked you. So they do. That's what that proverb is saying, clearly. I love these. Jeez, man, we're only halfway through. Father, help me. Okay. All right, I'm going to be done in 15 minutes, all right? What do you think? 20 minutes? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Let's do 20 minutes, okay? Here we go. Father. Family, gird up your minds. You're like, Josh, it's a lot. Of, this is a lot. I know. But listen, I would hope that our generation would get to a point where we stretch our minds... We can be able to take in a good hour, hour and a half of teaching. I, I kid you not. I would lo- if I ever started a church or moved somewhere. I was just thinking like we would just start at like two hour, two and a half hour sessions of teaching. So when I only teach for an hour and a half, they're like shouting for joy. I mean, they're stoked. But in reality, they're taking in much more than the TV tells them they can take in. Only thirty minutes programs. Paul, remember in the Book of Acts, taught all the way through the night. And remember the kid fell out of the window, broke his neck. Paul went down there, 
said, you're healed, rose him from the dead, went back up and started preaching again. We need to get back to that, man. We could be retaining so much more. I'm constantly, when I feel myself grow weary, I tell my mind, you listen up, mind. You're going to listen. And you're going to retain. As much as you don't want to listen to this person, you're going you're to retain. And so I try to stretch my mind as often as I can. We got up to three-hour sessions in Mexico. We would listen for three hours and just, just feast on the wisdom and the information. Ooh, makes me hungry. Okay, um, verse 15. There is gold and mul- multitu- in a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Saying this, hey, there's gold and silver and rubies and all this stuff all over the, wor- the world. There's diamonds on your fingers and around your neck. But guess what? Lips that produce knowledge and wisdom are a jewel, are a bigger diamond. Solomon in all his glory and all his splendor, people came from afar just to listen to the wisdom that poured from his mouth. They would give any amount of jewels, any amount of gold to receive the wisdom that he had. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. And you see it in psychiatrists in these days. You know, people are counselors. People pay big money to go and listen to somebody's lips because they have knowledge in their mouth. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But it's saying to you, you can have lips that are basically precious diamonds, jewels, if you fill them with knowledge and wisdom. You can start now. If you start pouring into yourself right now at this age, by the time you're 50, you're going to have wisdom. You're going to have knowledge. It's up to you. It's up to you. Next verse, verse 16. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Now, the King James... It kind of messes with the English. I'm not really sure how to interpret that, and so I went to the uh, New Living to interpret it there. Just listen to what it says in verse, uh, yes, 16 I was in, yeah. Be sure to get collateral from anyone who guarantees you the debt of a stranger. Get a deposit if someone guarantees you the debt of a foreigner. Get a deposit if someone guarantees the debt of a stranger. You want to get something, some kind of collateral. When someone comes to make a deal with you of any type, you always want to make sure there's some kind of deposit. They, they invest something into it. We do it with camp, believe it or not. With the camps that we put high school kids on. This is a secret. I'll let you in on. When someone comes to sign up for camp and they want to make, they're going to have a debt now, but because they can't pay the whole thing right now, we make them pay as much as they possibly can right now. Why? Because the more they pay and the more they invest into it, guess what? They are now into that deal and they're not going to get out. They've invested money. They've invested time. And so that's why when you offer things for free, a lot of people don't show up. <laughs> but when you tell them it's 50 bucks and they have to put $20 down to get in, everyone goes and puts $20 down to get in and says, I'm not losing my 20 bucks. I'm going to pay the rest and I'm going to that thing. It's amazing how it works. It's wisdom. And so if you make a deal with someone or someone owes you debt, make sure you get a deposit. What practical wisdom? Where are you going to find that? Better go to school. Or you can just read Proverbs chapter 20. Love it. Verse 17. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth is filled with gravel. (laughs) I love the King James Bible because of phrases like that. Bread of deceit or... bread of lying or falsehood. It's sweet to a man at first. Of deceit, lying, and falsehood to many people. Look at the wicked. Look at people here on this earth. Stay with me, please. Look at the people here on this earth who do wicked, who do things wrong, and it's sweet to them at first. Like, say, a deal. It's like they're going to work somebody and get a bunch of money. They're going to do something in order to gain money. It's like, man, that is sweet. That is so sweet. I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to get that. People stealing things. I used to steal a lot of stuff, believe it or not. I mean, and I don't brag about it. I say it to use myself as an illustration, an example. My brothers followed after me, and my middle brother got put in jail for it. He was on probation because he followed after my ways. Learn. 
It seems like a sweet deal at first. But guess what? It says in the end, that bread that you eat of will turn to gravel, will turn to dirt, will turn to rocks in your mouth, and you'll be spitting it out. Wow! Stay far away from any of those things. People who are conniving, people who are sneaky, people who are evil and wicked, who are going to tear you down. Stay far away because they will drag you into it and they will make it seem as if it's a great thing. I'm struggling with things all the time in my own heart, believe it or not. Little things that I just am scared to give into. I don't know if I should or not. It's like, man, this isn't exactly the most honest thing. This is kind of sneaky and, well, it's not that big of a deal. Be careful with the decisions that you make because you will have a mouthful of gravel if you don't watch out. Look at verse 18. Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. The principle of this, I mean, this is speaking about um, going to war here, but if you're going to go to war ever, receive lots of counsel. If you're going to go to war with someone or with your family, or go to war with a nation, receive lots and lots and lots of counsel and opinions from different people. Why? Because you will be able to make a better decision. There is wisdom in the counsel of many, Proverbs tells us. You write, that's, that's practical wisdom you can write down right now in your journal. If I need wisdom, go to many godly people and ask them what I should do. And the collective answer is probably the right answer. People that will tell you the truth, not tell you what you want to hear. You know, you know the difference? People who just like, you know, want to scratch your ears and make you feel good. I have a couple buddies who will tell you to your face, man. They'll drop kick you if you want to know the truth. Ooh, I have three, three of them, four of them, that will just look me in the face and say, Josh, bam. I'm like, dang. And I hate it when it's happening, but afterward it feels good. Every purpose is established by counsel. Okay? Verse 19, He that goeth goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Oh, man. Listen. Did you hear the King James? I like it. It calls the person who gossips, it calls them a talebearer. Like they have a tail. A talebearer. I don't know why. It's just hilarious to me. They come with tail bear. It's like, oh, that person talks a lot. They can't keep secrets. They say things that they shouldn't. It says stay away from people like that. You can't trust them. Learn once and don't ever go near them again. Don't trust them. He that goeth about as a tail bear, he reveals the secrets. A gossiper will reveal the secrets. Therefore, Meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. People who flatter you, um, I think rich people really catch on to this quickly. They can figure out, or famous people, figure out who their friends are and who their friends are really quick. People who just flatter them all the time, like, oh, you're so cool, this is flattering, flatter, flatter, because they want something from you. They want to be your friend. They want to hang out close. And you can tell who the real people are very quickly. Look at the next verse. Whosoever curseth his father or mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. And I wrote, oh, snap, next to that. Beware. Did you hear that? Anyone who curses his mother or his father will be put in outer darkness. Now, um, I don't know exactly what that means as far as, I mean, I know a person can be forgiven, obviously, of, of such a sin. But I think one who curses his mother and his father has basically come to the point where they're going to be cast into outer darkness in such a way where they feel like they're out there. Because who in the world will never stop loving you? seems like your parents, no matter what you do to them, if you you have some all right parents, they'll never stop. Even if you're a jerk to them and all this, even if they're a jerk to you, you get in a fight and all this, it's like they're just going to be there for you, you know? But if you curse your own mother and your father, you've cursed yourself. You're crazy. I cursed at my father once. And that's the last time I ever did. It's the biggest mistake of my life. We actually talked about it last week. I couldn't believe it. We've never talked about it since that time it happened. It was when I was 16 years old. My dad brought it up last week, Christmas time. 
And I was like, Dad, I was just blown away by the way you reacted. After the big fight and all this skirmish and all this, I had run away. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm 16. I'm like, I'm leaving this house. Peace. My dad came and found me. The cops actually caught me. I was sitting on a curb with handcuffs on. (laughs) Yikes. And my dad comes and finds me and picks me up. He says, hey, you want to get some hot chocolate? I said, what? That's my favorite drink. (laughs) I said, you want to get hot chocolate? Yeah. And we never talked about it ever again. Till last week. And it blew me away. My dad showed me grace when I deserved punishment. He showed me grace. He didn't ground me, he didn't do anything, and it broke my heart. And I never talked back to my dad after that. Never! If my brothers ever raise their voice to my father, I will drop kick them so fast. They know. It's like if I'm in, if I'm in the room and they say, say something, it's like there better be the most respect for father. You'll get struck down in a second by me. Don't curse your parents. Don't ever curse your parents. Verse 21, An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. I want to read the NLT. Verse 21, yeah. Listen to this. An inheritance obtained in early life is not a blessing at the end. This is true for those of you. Listen, this is very important. I've seen it happen many times with my buddies. They get an inheritance. What does that mean? Someone dies in their family, maybe their mom dies, or, or, or their grand, grandfather dies, or something happens, and they get lots of money. I've had buddies, two different buddies that I know have got 50 grand cash. Bam! They blew the whole thing in less than a year. It says it right here. Look what it says. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but at the end thereof it shall not be blessed. It can be gone so fast, you've got to be careful. And that may happen to many of you here in this room, or it may already has happened to you, and you know. If that happens, if you get hooked up with a lot of money, you better go and get receive counsel very, very quickly from someone else on what to do with that money. Or you'll blow it very fast, and you'll be sitting there with nothing. People who win the lottery, I think it's like 90% of them are more miserable than when they got before they got it. That's sad. An inheritance can jack your life up. Be careful. Verse 22, Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and He shall save thee. Or, don't say, this is something you should never say, I'm going to get revenge, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to take care of this situation, I'm going to step in. Don't do it. The Lord says what? Wait on the Lord, He will save thee. God will save you. God will pull through. God is the one who fights for you, family. Okay? If someone wrongs you, don't fight them. You're making a mistake. God will fight for you. Many times I've been accused. Many times I've been struck down. Many times I've been beat up. Many times. And the times that I win is when I keep my mouth shut and I don't say anything. And all of a sudden, everyone finds out the truth or something pulls through in a powerful way. And all of a sudden, everything's fine. But the more you open your mouth, the digger, the, the deeper you dig a hole. So let God fight your battles for you, okay? Don't ever say, I'm going to get that person, or I'm going to get him back, or I'm going to take care of that. Don't do it. This is wisdom. God will take care of it. Verse 23, Diverse weights are an abomination of the Lord, and false balance is not good. We looked at that back in verse 10, I think it was. Yeah. Verse 24, Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? Did you hear that? Can you understand your own way? You don't even know your own life. God has created life. How could you possibly know what to do in it? If God made it, God would know. It's like, say you painted that painting back there on the wall. Say you're a great artist, okay? Um, If somebody wanted to paint a painting or even start to paint, they should probably come to who? You, because you're a good artist. You know what you're doing. You know how to make things happen with the lighting and what brushes to use. How to shade here and how to shade there. Okay? What man knows his own way or what man can figure out his own life? And I wrote next to that scripture, you need God. You need the Lord. 
to figure out life. Verse 25, It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy, and after vows to make inquiry. Look at the NLT on that one. Verse 25, it says, It is dangerous to make a rash promise to God before counting the cost. It's dangerous to make decisions to God before you count what kind of decision you're making. Because when you fail, you will beat yourself up. Do you know that? Legalism. This is something that I should just spend at least a minute on. Legalism. Look, you can set standards in your own life. Like, um, I don't know. What's a good standard? I'm going to read my Bible every single day for the next year. Okay, you can set that standard for your own life. But don't be bummed when the people around you aren't setting that standard. Do you hear me? Number one, if you set a standard, do not be bummed if the people around you are not setting that standard. Why? Is, is it sin if you don't read your Bible every day? Does it say anywhere in the Bible you are a sinner because you didn't read your Bible every day? No, no. So why are you looking down on someone because you read the Bible every day and they don't? It's not sin. God didn't say that. So you can set a standard for your life, but don't ever set it for someone else. And number two, if you set a standard for your life, like I'm going to read my Bible every day, and then you miss one day, don't get down on yourself. But I failed. Did you sin? You didn't sin. Because that is not the law of God. He does not make it mandatory and say, you must read your Bible every day. So if you set standards for yourself, that's okay. You can set any kind of standard you want. Just don't push it on anyone else. And do not get down on yourself when you fail that standard, okay? Billy Graham set a standard. He said, I will never be in a room by myself with a woman. Now that's a great standard to set because he's married and he's traveling all the time. Never. Someone will always be in the room with me. I will never. He said, I would never allow that to happen. Now, what happens if he's walking out of a room and a woman's walking in, there's no one in the room, and all of a sudden, you know, she walks in and he's in there for like 10 seconds and he, you know, bolts out as fast as he can. Oh, man, does he get down on himself? I can't believe that happened. I was in a room with a woman. Gosh, forgive me, God. I've sinned against you. He hasn't done anything wrong. And then what if he walks into a room one day and he sees a guy in a room there with, with a woman? Is he to look down on him and say, Ooh, sinner. You sinner. In a room with a woman, but wow, you sinner. He can't do that. The Bible doesn't say that. John Corson does a great message on that. It's called, He Didn't Say That. And he's shouting at the top of his lungs over and over and over about things that people put on other people when God never said that. He never said any of that. Okay? So if you're going to make commitments to God, and you break them, don't get bummed if you break them. Just get back on track, okay? And number two, if you make those commitments, don't you dare push it on someone else and don't you dare look down on them because they don't live up to what your standard is. Not God's, your standard. Your standard. That's not God's standard. That's your standard, okay? Very practical, good practical stuff. Okay, um, we are on verse 26. A wise king scattereth the wicked and bring the wheel over them. Or... A wise king will destroy wicked. The wicked, he will. And as brutal as that sounds, it's actually a very wise thing to do. If you knew that there were 10 guys in your city, say you have a city of, of 10,000 people, and there are 10 guys in the city who cause nothing but mischief, and they're not turning for the good, they're constantly just running from, they're killing people, they're robbing people, what should you do? You wipe them out. It's a wise thing to do. Is it? But what about them? I know. What about them? Um, it is a practical thing to do for the entire nation and a better thing to do than to what? Punish the whole society for ten men doing wrong. It's something that happens in our society, believe it or not, all the time. You know, let me, let me give you an illustration real quick. No one, that's a great one. Look at this. Because one man tried to light a bomb in his shoe in an airplane... Everyone now has to take off their shoes when they go into an airplane. Everyone has to do it. Instead of just taking that guy and punishing him and showing everyone that he is being punished for this and this is not allowed and this is how you'll be punished if you do this, what do we do? 
you start putting more and more and more and more and more and more and more laws on all people and all things. It's happening to us everywhere. The wise thing to do is to take out the wicked. The Bible says it clearly. The repercussions of this, I can't get into it, but they are great. Look at verse 27. We're almost done. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Wow! The King James blows my mind again. It gives, it gives this picture of a candle of the Lord. The spirit of man. Think about your spirit. The spirit of the man on the inside. The candle of the Lord looks inside of a person. It's like if God could take a candle and put it on the inside of you and everything lights up as if he can see, which he can see, every single thing on the inside of you. There's nothing that hides from God. Nothing. God sees everything and he loves you. Verse 28, Mercy and truth preserve the king and his throne is upon, is upholden by mercy. It's true. Love and loyalty to the king is what upholds his kingdom. Verse 20, I love this, I love this, I love this. I'm so happy we get to close with this. Look at it, everyone. Verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of the old man is the gray hair. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Yeah, let me read it again. The strength, I'm sorry, the glory of a young person, okay, someone who's young, is their strength. That's their glory. That's all they got when they're young. But the beauty of an old man is his gray head. The beauty of an old person is their gray hair. Really? Gray sucks, man. I don't want to go gray. I don't want to go gray. I'm already going gray, and I'm going bald too, so. That's why I wear a hat. <laughs> so you can't tell. But the beauty of an old man is his gray hair. Wow. The glory of, what does an old man say? Only if I was strong. Only if I was stronger. Only if I could do what I could do when I was young, huh? And what does the young guy say? Man, I wish I had the knowledge and the wisdom of an old man so that I could know how to live life the right way. That is... That's the mystery. That's why I tell you all the time, I want gray hair now. Not literally. I want gray hair. I want the mind of an old man now so that I can see and look over 50 years and know what to do step by step for the rest of my life. I don't like messing up, man. And so guess what? When I'm young, I'm going to use my strength to do all that I can to serve the Lord. And when I'm old and I don't have strength anymore, I will regurgitate all the wisdom that I have to young people over and over again. And I will take you know, 20 or 30 guys into Mexico and into the desert and I will teach them and I will pour all of my life into them, continue over and over and over. I'm not waiting to do that right now. I'm trying to do that right now, even now, as I am 26 years old. I'm just trying to give what I have, all the mess-ups and all the stupid things that I've done and all the good things that I've done. I'm trying to give to you, even now. And you should be doing that for the people around you. The ways you've screwed up, let them know so they don't ever go down that path. The ways that you have been prosperous, let them know so they can be prosperous too. The glory of a young man is his strength and the beauty of the old man is his gray hair. So next time you see a grandma, tell her she's beautiful. Tell her that gray hair is awesome. You have more beauty than any of the young girls that I know because you know what to do, Grandma. You know exactly how to raise children. You know exactly how to make a home a home. You know exactly what it means to pray. As my grandma prayed for me over the phone just a few days ago. That's where beauty is found in wisdom. Looks are vain. It's going to fade. You're going to be ugly eventually, so receive it. Just receive it. Everybody in the room, just receive it. We're all going to be ugly eventually. We're going to be old people. And uh, no one's going to look and say, man, you're a fox, man. You're so hot, handsome. Ain't going to happen. You're going to look and you say, man, you like, you like smell and stuff. And like you're like old. And I, I mean, like, you can't even walk. You know, like you use a cane and stuff. And, I mean, 
Anyway, it's going to happen, okay? That's why, listen, all your beauty will fade. All of it. But you know what will never fade? Wisdom. Wisdom will never fade. It only gets richer. It only gets better. Invest now, family, and you will be blessed. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Let me read the New Living and we'll close. Great practical. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. Did you hear that? Physical discipline purifies the heart. That's why even in this 21st century times, when I have kids, I will spank my kids, yes. And um, they will receive physical discipline when they do something wrong. And the reason why is because the Bible says it clearly right there. It says that it actually cleanses their heart. It cleanses their soul. And it does. I look at me and my brother's lives all the way through. I mean, the highest regards to my brothers. My mom died when I was eight. My dad tried to raise us three boys. My grandma kind of raised us. We lost everything. And we've been spread apart and separated ever since then. We should be a wreck family. But my brothers, man, I I know with any adult, they will be very respectful. They will bless any adult who is around my brothers, will love them, cherish them, want to take them in their home and have them in their family because that's the kind of kids my dad raised. And he spanked us. You better believe it. He dropped the hammer. But man, he loved us to death. Perfect balance. My dad didn't always do the right thing, did a lot of wrong things, but he did that thing. I remember somebody had looked up a study with criminals and they had done a study on them and it was showing that they actually desired to be punished for the bad things that they did. There's a longing inside to be relieved of the bad things they have done. It builds up for so long and all of a sudden they feel so guilty. That's why many kill themselves. You see them after they go and kill someone or after they go and do something, they can't deal with it and so they take their own life. Or, they are screaming inside to be punished. They will turn themselves in. Time after time, even the most sickest men who have molested and I mean done the sickest stuff, after they just fess up and just like, man, I did it. They need to be punished. They need to be set free from the anguish upon their hearts. And the same is true with a child. When a child does something wrong, the way that you set him free or set her free is by disciplining them. And letting them release and say, I'm okay. You notice if a child does something wrong, what are they doing? Hiding around the corner. Hiding. Doesn't matter how long, as soon as Papa finds out, they're in anguish until they are dealt with. And if they get to sit in that anguish long enough, what will happen? Their heart will become scorned. And it will be easier to do more difficult things and, and wicked things and evil things until they get to a point where they do the most wicked thing this on this earth. Maybe they kill someone. They do sick stuff and they feel so wicked and they take their own life where they turn themselves in and face a sentence for the rest of their life. It is very important that you discipline your children at a young age. Very important. Do not compromise with society. And uh, as difficult as it is, I'm not saying don't you ever be angry and discipline your kids. You're in big trouble. If I ever see you do that, I will stink and rebuke you in front of everybody. Don't do that. You love your kids you discipline them with a right and focused mind. Amen? We've got to raise up a new generation. Society is falling. It's up to you. We've got to start now. We've got a purpose in our hearts. Amen? Let me pray for us tonight. Oh, Father, I'm full to the brim. Lord, even though I've taught this message, I am just so full. So much information. So much to think about. Thank you, God for writing this down on paper for us. Thanks for all the practical things. I mean, things that just work in life, things that are just going to help us out. Us young people who can't figure this out unless we we, we mess up or do good. And, and Lord, we can't do that without time and without living life. So we're so thankful that you give it to us at a young age. And we would ask that you'd help us not only to be hearers, 
not only to hear what your word has said, but doers of the word, that we would instill this in our lives, that we would stamp it on our hearts, that it would be on the forefront of our heads, and that we would live this out. We need your wisdom. Father, you say, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask and it will be given. Father, we lack, if you lack wisdom, raise your hand. Please, right now, just raise your hand if you lack wisdom. Father, these who have raised their hands say they lack wisdom and they are asking for wisdom. I am asking for your wisdom that it would supernaturally fall from heaven and we would be able to receive it. Please, Father, give it to us. We lack wisdom. We need yours. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. And I want the best for you. That's why I tell you the truth. Isn't this great? Look at these practical principles. Gosh, I love Proverbs. Go away satisfied. Go away is eating much bread, sitting there full, just ready to veg out and just think about it and just meditate on these things for a while. Amen? Love you guys. We'll see you next week.